And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is The Athletic Baseball Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. Green light 3-0 and she's gone! Welcome to the 3-0 Show, part of The Athletic Baseball Show. This is for Thursday, September 29th. Derek Van Riper here with Eno Saris recording midday Wednesday. So we're still looking for home run number 61 from Aaron Judge. On this episode, we will discuss Luis Castillo's recent extension with the Mariners and the multi-year outlook for a Mariners club that will be playing in the postseason here in the near future. Is this a one-shot sort of opportunity or are they really structured to be a team consistently contending for October baseball over these next few seasons. We'll talk about the Albert Pujols 700 home run milestone and how milestones have just changed a bit in terms of uh, how we consume these these big moments in sports and, and, well, in life, I guess, too. But uh, we'll talk about a few players having great seasons at advanced ages. Not everyone is old as Albert Pujols having these, these renaissance seasons, but some pretty interesting names that are putting together better seasons than you might realize as they are either at or near the wrong side of 30. So we begin today in Seattle. You know, let's talk about Luis Castillo, the big trade deadline addition for the Mariners. I think that was one of those trades where we actually saw very good prospects in mass get traded to Cincinnati as part of the trade. And we don't see a lot of deals like that anymore. The extension ends up being five years, $108 million is a vesting option for 2028. And Castillo was a full year away from free agency. He was not simply a player on an expiring contract anyway. So the Mariners would have had him for 2023, even without this extension. But now he's there through 2027. Given his age, Castillo is going to be 30 in December. I think it's a simple question to start. How do you expect Luis Castillo to age with his arsenal and with his command? If you stick around where he is now, for two years and then do some standard aging after that um, and you call a win, a win above replacement worth $9 million right now, you get exactly $108 million. <laughs> and old Fangraphs pal Dave Cameron's in that front office, so I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, at least aged out that contract uh, at some point uh, you know, this year for them. Um, I do think that there's a chance that uh, war underrates him. He's managed to keep his home run rates low in Cincinnati and he keeps the ball on the ground and Fangraph's war is really obsessed with strikeouts. Uh, I mean, it's a sort of strikeouts, walks and homers. Um, this is a really, really good pitcher, and we've talked about whether or not he's, you know, an ace's ace or a second-level ace. Um, that's another a time for another debate, but a really good pitcher with a lot of pitches, good command, and the ability to keep the ball on the ground, and a fairly good health record. 
yeah, I, I think it's a it's it's a great deal. I think it's a really good idea. I think they did a, I think they did a good job. You know, those prospects that went to Cincinnati are pretty young and fairly far away. And as exciting as that is, I talked to a team that took a slightly different tack at the trade deadline and got slightly older players and has shown a pension for that. And the intimation was there's so much risk around a younger player that's so much further away that it's really about your risk tolerance. Now, maybe the Reds are like, hey, we just want a superstar. So we're going to put Ellie De La Cruz and Noel V. Marte and I forget the other guy's name. There was one more shortstop in the deal, I think. And they're all like teenagers. And we're just going to put them into one bucket and hope one superstar emerges. And the other approach is I'd rather have three or four guys that are going to be big leaguers soon. You know, and I'm pretty sure they're going to be big leaguers. So uh, I think it's I think the, where the Mariners were in the win cycle, it was better for them to have Luis Castillo than to have a couple shots down the line at a great player, uh, especially because this team seems to be built for the next, you know, three to five years. Yeah, I like that they're they're pushing a lot of chips in for this window. It looks like a good three plus year window. I'm right there with you in terms of, of how long I think they're going to be competitive and I think with Castillo the other thing that made sense about him taking this extension now is he's going to be 30 in December he would have been 31 hitting free agency for the first time and he had a shoulder injury back at the beginning of the season it's part of the story that is fortunately been erased because he's pitched so well mm-hmm. I think being a first-time free agent at 31 with an arm injury in his recent history the risk is reward was more on the side of of getting the extension choosing where you want to be if you're happy in seattle and being in a position where you are going to win there was less certainty around that during his time in cincinnati some shades of joe musgrove right yeah kind of like that no i'm with a good team now (laughs) i want to stay with the good team this seems like a good place Mm -hmm. so a good fit there because you've got castillo plus ray robbie ray signed through 2026 logan gilbert george kirby under team control for just as long And that's a great quartet to have up front in the rotation. They've got depth with guys like Marco Gonzalez and, you know, Chris Flexen's there right now. They get the Julio Mega deal done. So that's good. We like the bullpen. We've talked about that a lot over the course of this season. The question is, how is the rest of the core built? And there's some other questions with the Mariners that do impact them in the postseason this year, too. Some of this is, where does the secondary offensive contribution come from, from this club? They've been very good all season long, scoring runs. Julio Rodriguez's arrival and excellent rookie season is a huge part of that. And he's dealing with an injury right now. So that's the that's the small cloud hanging over them right now, even though the long-term future is so bright. It also exacerbates uh, some weakness in that offense when Julio Rodriguez is out and I think Cal Raleigh was out I was I was in Oakland and I was looking at the lineup and Cal Raleigh was out and Julio Rodriguez was out and I was like is this a good lineup it was like three good batters and then I was like whoa 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 and we've talked about how we like at least like the Adam Frazier's in that lineup at least they make contact JP Crawford at least he makes contact even if he's not like a power threat you know, they make contact, they can they can keep the lineup moving. But 
there's a little bit of lack of depth, I think, you know, where maybe Jared Kelnick needs to step forward. Uh, maybe Taylor Trammell needs to make to take a step forward. Maybe Kyle Lewis needs to take a step forward. They do have some high minors in between prospect and major league guys uh, where one of those guys I think could step forward. The thing that does worry me a little bit is that if you look at their payroll and what they've done this year, this year they spent about $142 million uh, by the luxury tax. Next year, they're already over that. And that's counting, uh, that's like sort of estimating the arbitration and counting, you know, Mitch Hanniger uh, and Adam Frazier is leaving. Uh, that's $15 million off the books. But, the, you know, some of these younger guys are getting more expensive. Ty France is going to get more expensive in arbitration. Diego Castillo and Paul Seawald are going to get more expensive in, in arbitration. So, you know, as those arbitration increases come in, they're going to be already where they are now, minus Mitch Hanniger and Adam Frazier. Now, I wouldn't, you know, I, I you know, I think a team can survive the loss of Adam Frazier, but, and Mitch Hanniger's been hurt, but I think, you know, this lineup needs a Mitch Hanniger. And... Um, you know, I wonder what they'll do because if they try to stay at sort of 140 million, uh, they'll they'll have their hands tied. But you had a, a thing that you found kind of about where their payroll stood, and with with regards to league, um, you know, before their kind of step back and rebuild. Yeah, if you look at the Mariners from 2015 through 2019, they were between 11th and 13th league wide in payroll, and in those years, that meant between 123 million and 157 million. So if you kind of put them in that same range, a little bit higher now. So now you're talking 150, 160 million. Right. Numbers are up a little bit. So if you're looking for 10 to 12 in terms of the current payrolls, you're talking the Giants at the low end this year, 155 for their opening day payroll and Astros at 174 and a half. So if that's the target range that the ownership group is willing to spend at, then they can still do a little bit more this offseason and add another bat. And I think I know this pain all too well. This type of lineup is very similar to what the Brewers have. I'm not just saying this to bring up the Brewers. I'm saying it because they are right next to each other in WRC+. Plus. At the Brewers. I don't because they make <laughs> me feel pain. The Brewers strike out a little more than the Mariners this season, 23.8% to 22.6%. But there's only a small gap in WRC+. Plus. So 106 WRC+, plus for the Mariners, 103 for the Brewers. The Brewers hit more home runs than the Mariners do. That seems like a, a bit of a concern. But the, yeah, the Mariners yeah. make a little more contact. And that's exactly where I would look to beef up this team in the offseason. I would want power. I would want to sign power. Good news is you can get old power. You know, like, you know, power isn't actually the most expensive thing on the market, I don't think. Uh, especially if you talk about defenseless power you know? oh, oh <laughs> like, so are you talking about jd martinez <laughs> oh i like that one i my personal favorite was jose Abreu. um but um you know th- there is some complication with winker's defense being so poor this year but what i would say is that winker you have to count on like whatever you're thinking in the future you have to sort of think winker is going to bounce back a little bit i think there's a health issue going on with jesse winker and you'll get some news in the off season of a surgery and a rehab and I think you would see a at least league average, if not better, Winker with a little more power next year. And hopefully you can still stick him in, in left field with leaving DH uh, open uh, for somebody like Jose Abreu or J.D. Martinez. I think those would be great fits. And I think they'll come in the budget. I mean, if, you're, if you say they have $20 million, uh, to spend in the offseason, 
Um, I think you can get either of those guys for under $20 million a year. Uh, and that might still leave you uh, $5 million to get a Frazier-type replacement, which is like a, a you know, like a... A guy who can play the infield and 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 be and be interesting for you, but uh, you know Mitch Haniger could come back. Uh, he may want a, a short term deal. I, I think it would be sort of a tragedy if they shop in the what was the what was the duo I gave them that made you sad was um, was it like Cole, Cole Calhoun oh, and yeah. Yoshi Tsutsugo Ben? <laughs> yeah, no disrespect to those players. I just think if you're the Mariners and your window is open right now, and we both agree that it is go a level above that at least. And I think that's definitely where J.D. Martinez is still at. I think Jose Abreu is even one notch above that. And you can see fewer signs of decline, fewer signs of aging in Abreu. It's almost hard to see them when you look at some of the underlying stack cast numbers for Jose Abreu. I think if he leaves the White Sox, wherever he goes, they're getting a sneaky good addition in the offseason. A little bit of risk with both those guys in that they have right center approaches. Um, and I do like that they're both right-handed. I think that could that could help in this lineup, but uh, their right-center approaches, that sort of opposite field fly ball, uh, pull fly balls are down uh, this year. I forget what the exact number was. I think it was pull fly ball, pull, pull homers, pull fly ball homers are down 15% this year. Opposite fly ball homers are down 30% this year. So basically, opposite field fly ball homers are down twice as much as pull, and I've and you've heard Tommy Pham talk about this. So that means he's talking about with JD Martinez about how you know he wants to become a pull fly ball guy uh, because the opposite field fly ball is dead for him. And uh, you know, between Jose Abreu and JD Martinez, which one do you think can make that adjustment? Which one? given their current approaches will play well in Seattle in terms of the, the way the park is you know sized and the way it goes there. Um, you know, they may want a pull uh, fly ball guy, but I don't know that I necessarily see that on the list of free agents where it's like, Oh yeah. You know, like a, a Brandon belt lefty, you know, Josh bell. Is that, is he going to be expensive? Mm, not ridiculous. I mean, there's a switch hitter, uh, but he's kind of like a ground ball guy. So I don't know how much he adds of power. Trey Mancini and, and Josh Bell kind of strike me as a little bit similar in that, you know, you can't necessarily count on them for a ton of power, but decent hitters. So, I mean, that's that's the bin I'd be I'd be uh, shopping in. Um, you know, maybe bring uh, Enrique, Kike uh, Hernandez in uh, instead of Frazier uh, to, to kind of, give you somebody that has versatility and can play second base. Now, the good news is they get to play in the postseason, right? We're going to see this. We're going to see how this works. <laughs> yeah, like, that's right. We're talking about beyond that already. Sorry. We've already fast-forwarded <laughs> through the they, – they could win the World Series, and we're sitting here talking about what they could change. So the more relevant, immediate question, Hanniger is an interesting player to bring up because – Last season, Mitch Hanniger hit 253 with a 318 OBP. Those things were not totally surprising – in the grand scheme of things, he delivered power again, though. 39 homers, a 485 slugging percentage. The barrel rate's still good. You know, the K rate's not out of line with where it was last year. He's only been able to play 50 games so far this season. So a lot of the decline this year to me is probably health-related. So just having a healthy Hanniger, assuming a, a healthy Julio Rodriguez, now having Eugenio Suarez back, they are starting to put all those pieces back together to where maybe if they can get something more out of Hanniger 
or if they do find a way to get Jared Kelnick to heat up at just the right time, maybe some of that secondary support is there. We've talked about Cal Raleigh having a great season. That's been huge for them, mm-hmm. just you know, giving giving them power in that bottom half of that lineup. Yeah, it's kind of fun to have like a Raleigh Frazier situation at the bo- at the bottom half of your lineup. Because, you know, one can, you know, pepper you with contact and the other can maybe go deep. So, uh, I mean, when they're all healthy and clicking, uh, that's too much to ask for. But when they're all at least healthy, um, you know, I think there's a there's a there's a a good team here. I do think right now Winker is not healthy and and not um, not a great contributor. Uh, I think Kalnick still has that hole in the swing. You know, I think Raleigh's very all or nothing. So I, I I would give them three kind of problem spots in the lineup at least. Yeah, it, it's a lot of it right now is health related for the Mariners. So how those players progress even in the next week might have a lot to do with how many runs they can put on the board once we get to the postseason. It's not official yet. I think their magic number is sitting at one as we record this. Mm-hmm. So it looks like it's pretty good. 99.8% right, chance. Like giving Rodriguez 10 days off right before the playoffs is kind of, a, I think, a smart, smart move, you know? And Haneker had this massive and weird uh, rolled ankle that he had right after he came back from COVID. He kind of thinks maybe he came back a little bit too early. And it's, it's one of those... You know that like half the hitters roll their ankles on every swing, right? You've seen that the the ankle kind of rolls over. Uh, he said he kind of inverted and like uh, had it like rolled it the other way somehow. And he, he said he's never done that on a swing before. And it was a massive high ankle, really big deal sprain that took a long time to to recover from. You know, maybe there is a possibility that you know he's just now starting to get healthy on that thing. So you know those two guys. You know, and Suarez, uh, when I talked to him, like wasn't making a big deal out of the, about the finger. It was like the very tip of the finger. He didn't even have a brace, uh, like a thing on. So uh, you know, there's some power there if if Hanniger gets back on board. Yeah, we'll get into this team in greater detail once we have the the wild card matchup. So one week from today, pretty excited to, to get that. Uh, get that part of the season going because it feels like we've been in September for uh, longer than we actually have. Some of that's just the the way the playoff races have have played out. It might be the best bullpen in the in the playoffs. Yeah, and it's not like they've got weak starting pitching to cover for so, either, so they can really pick and their win spots. Three to one games. Yeah, they're dangerous for sure. I mean, plenty, pretty much every team in the field has enough there where you could. You can convince yourself it's going to work, but I do think health for the Mariners in these final days will be really important to uh, parse out. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's talk about Albert Pujols getting to 700. I know it's been discussed on this podcast a lot. It's been discussed everywhere a lot, but it's a big deal because it's extremely rare. And I was just thinking about this earlier today. It was one of those moments where I spend enough time around people who are not necessarily big sports fans to understand when something's a big deal based on their reaction to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are we cutting into Good Morning America? Like, are we cutting into news news channels? And yeah, when when milestones like this are reached, you get that level of attention. The very casual sports fan, or maybe some people who are fans of other sports, will notice because they they heard about it, and that's pretty cool when baseball actually gets to that place. And I know people were upset because you know, as Aaron Judge. Has this season, there have been games on Apple TV Plus, and I know the the game in which Pujols hit two homers to get to 700, that was an Apple TV Plus game. And that frustrates people because there's a, a at least a percentage of the audience that doesn't have the technical ability or the desire to have another app on their TV or even have an app on their TV in the first place. TV doesn't have the ability to do it or they don't have the devices. I get all that. This isn't really about that. I think part of what's so strange about milestones being reached today is they still, even when we have big moments that we all acknowledge and and people who are casual fans get really excited about, we don't experience them the same way that we used to. I saw this happen on YouTube. Highlights. I watched this on YouTube. And compared to other big moments in baseball history when network TV would cut in and different things that have happened over the years, it's like an individual experience instead of a shared experience in the moment mm-hmm. that it happens. Unless you're watching it live on Twitter with the second screen going, then it's like a, where were you? Well, I was on Twitter when it happened. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, so I do think it's part of what we miss about, about history and, and getting these moments again is the collective enjoyment of these things. And that's gone. I don't know. I think, you know, I think it's still there on Twitter. Like that's why I think live sports, you know, are still uh, such a lucrative thing for for cable, and that's why I think that's part of why Twitter exists is that we so we can all collectively react to something at the same time. Um, so I, I I do I want to push back on that a little bit, but I do think there has been uh, maybe a commodification of the experience that wasn't there before. I think of guys like Zach Hampel. Um, I think of like this uh, constant debate of like, should the person sell it for $3 million or turn it in, you know, um, is a really sort of, like I said, like a commodification of the experience, which uh, that's just true of every experience. Everything that's fun is, you know, like Little League. I'm, I'm like, like just my kids are in Little League and just watching the industrial complex that has grown around Little League is like, oh, this is kind of gross. You know, like, are they selling NFTs of little leaguers now? Is that a thing? Uh, no, but like uh, just the, the how expensive the equipment is, and then there's like you know trainers, and you, you can get private coaches, and then there's travel ball, and like you know then there's showcases, and just 
you know, watching a friend here with his son kind of enter that experience. And then having worked with Noah Jackson at Cal on, on Cali Warriors, the first base foundation um, here in the area where you actually have to have, uh, you know, not-for-profits that have to fill in the gap to help kids who can't afford all the money around it. Um, so I don't really like that there's a guy who's like, you know, going around to these games trying to catch these homers, these milestone homers. Like, you know, and like... Comparing it to past eras where no one would do that. That yeah. wasn't a thing. Where it's just whoever was there that day got to witness history. And whoever caught the ball because they bought the right seat, it was like winning the lottery. It wasn't, you know, I know you can you can buy more tickets when the jackpot gets big. This might be sort of compared to that, but it does it does take something away. And there's a there's a tie into this. Do you see this Mike Trout thing where, you know, there's a video of Mike Trout like ignoring some autograph people, you know? They're sta- also autograph people are standing in front of his house. I mean, I know it's a hotel, but that's where he's living right now, right? So they are standing in front of his house bothering him when he woke up in the morning. He's got like a cup of coffee in his hand. Like, come on, give him a second. And the person who like texted this, it listed himself as a professional autograph hound. Now, that is not so that that exists, but also, if you go to games, you know what those people are like. They have researched all the players, so they have lie after lie that they can throw at them. Oh, I went to school with your sister. Mm-hmm. I'm friends with Hazel. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then, and and you know, they just throw these lies at the players to get their attention. Oh, could you sign this for me? You know, I'll tell Hazel hi or whatever, whatever it is, that they're, the lie they've come up with. And then they'll they'll literally put their kids in front of them. And they'll put their books in their kids' hands and have the kids ask. And so, you know, that's that's the part I don't like. Uh, but I do like, uh, you know, I thought uh, there was a really cool um, a graphic made by MLB Network. that uh, was like every single one of, uh, of Albert's homers. Yeah. Like in a continuous swing. Uh, that was beautiful. I do actually like the Twitter experience of, uh, you know, right now it's the judge thing where everyone's belly aching about walks. You know, I-, I was in San Francisco when Barry was breaking all these these things, and you know, like belly aching about walks is not old. It, it is not new. It's like, uh, you know, we had the chicken dance in in uh, San Francisco. I don't they would li- that. there would literally be people in chicken outfits. And every time they walked Barry Bonds, they would like play the chicken dance and like this chicken would walk, 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 walk. And like people would like, I, I don't know what the chicken dance is. I can't remember. Is it like, I don't know. Anyway, uh, close. There was, there was a chicken dance. And, uh, and so <laughs> this, this is uh, the chicken dance on Twitter where uh, Yankees fans right now are just uh, super pissed about every late inning walk or the intentional walk to Aaron Judge. And I get it. It's not what we came here to see, but it's in the rules. And honestly, I think, uh, you know, uh, Blake Murphy uh, in Toronto actually ran the numbers and said it was the right analytical move to to walk Aaron Judge the other day in, in extra innings. Sure. And the appetite league-wide to walk players is very different now than it was when Barry Bonds hit 73. Peak Barry, the end of his career, was getting intentionally walked absurd amounts. We've seen some some pretty crazy stats on, on Twitter about that. 
Barry Bonds has more intentional walks in his career than the Tampa Bay Rays have ever had in their entire existence. That's one of my yeah, that's one of my favorite <laughs> ones. That's a great one. So, you know, things change a little, but everybody wants to see history. And I the shared experience is there on Twitter. I'm not denying that. I don't enjoy that particular experience as much as other people. There's other aspects of Twitter that have ruined it for you. Yeah, well, and I think that that shared aspect is still smaller because everyone has a million other things they can watch. Oh, yeah. It's also frazzled and just like, you know, yeah, everyone's just it's everyone's got ADHD and is just on to the next thing. Right. And I think on, on top of short attention spans, the infinite supply, near infinite supply of alternative things you could go watch or listen to or do has chipped away at the ceiling of any particular moment. Like the only things in sport that seem yeah. truly massive anymore are the Super Bowl and the Men's World Cup. Those are things that are just like mega events that traffic wise still play on historical levels. It's like judge updates alongside whatever happens in Monday Night Football, you know? Yeah, yeah. And every <laughs> every like, other ah, thing that happens, out of there. <laughs> it's like an hourglass where we're, we're slowly losing people who are interested in it. And that's okay because there's still enough of us who are care about it we can still get excited about it together but i just mean there's so few moments where we stop and be in awe of of baseball especially and we were and that's why i think you know season. i think that's why the, the the bonds like like i said mcguire and sosa were important to that because you like any given night any given night like yeah judge is gonna walk and not homer tonight right but if there were two other guys that were chasing him you know if kyle schwarber had 55 you know, then you could be breaking into different things. And then it would be like, oh, there's this aspect of competition, you know, but it's just Aaron Judge every night. If you just watch one player every night, you know, he's going to walk a lot and have over threes. You know? Yeah. So, you know, I, th- I do think that it'd be it'd be better if he had sort of a, a Robin to his Batman right now, but. Uh, he's also still having one of the best uh, months of his one of his best years and you know one of the fifth top I think now we're talking about top 30 seasons of all time uh, so kudos to him on all that it's so amazing what he's doing you run out of ways to describe it but the thing that I've I've come to root for in the last week or so especially is the triple crown as opposed to 61 versus 62 versus whatever the final number ends up being for Aaron Judge in terms of home runs. There's been one triple crown in our lifetime. Miguel Cabrera did it in 2012. And I just didn't fully appreciate that when it happened. That's on me. That's, you know, mea culpa. Like, I I should have been geeking out a lot more about what Miggy did 10 years ago. If Judge pulls it off, then we'll have two in the span of 11 seasons. But given the way the game is played now... Given the way that you have players who get to the high end of power by by giving something up, by maybe pulling the ball a lot more often, mm. the 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 difficulty of doing it is it's multiple layers. Aside from the pitching being amazing, it's just the way the game is played is so different that I think it is harder to have an achievement like the triple crown in the current landscape. Twenty six of the twenty seven triple crowns ever won came before free agency, uh, to give you a sense of that. And then you know a good portion of those, I would say maybe eighteen to twenty of those were won with twenty homers or fewer. <laughs> Let me count how many: uh, one, two, three, 
four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen of the twenty-six were won with twenty homers or fewer. So you know, really, uh, and and they're pre-integration, uh, most of them. So really, in terms of like uh, post-integration, you know, needed a lot of homers, triple crowns that are anything similar to what we see today, I would say you got the Miguel Cabrera, Carl Yastrzemski, 1967, Frank Robinson, 1966, and uh, Mickey Mantle, 1956. So four. Yeah. That's got to be the rare, like the rarest thing. Like if you really think about it, if you really sort of uh, think about, that's rarer than 61, right? Well, and I think the, the problem with with sixty one and, and seventy three is that the the massive shifts in variables, the baseball itself changes a lot. We've talked a lot endlessly. How many would he have with the twenty nineteen ball? If this season, if Aaron Judge had this health in twenty nineteen, are we talking He's an Oppo Homer hitter too? Are we talking seventy four, seventy five? Is 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 the seventy three is the actual record that Barry Bonds has? Is is that what we're we're chasing right now in that? context I, I still i think someday we're gonna see that we're gonna see someone do it rejuice the ball no nah, rejuice the ball <laughs> leave the ball alone we'll get there it'll happen on its own imagine if someone even 10 years ago 10 years ago someone told you shohei otani is going to come to the big leagues and he's going to be a two-way player and he's going to be amazing he's going to be a top 10 hitter and a top 10 pitcher in the same season. And that's going to be a thing that happens. You just said, come on, that's not possible. <laughs> so I, I just, I'm trying to keep a more open mind about 73 being chased at some point. And I, I don't know how long it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be next year or 10 years from now, or if I'm going to be very old and very gray instead of just a little old and a little gray when it happens. But I think it's going to happen someday. Dude, this is unscientific by the seat of my pants analytics on the fly happening with you a calculator oh nice calculator in front of you yeah on my phone just looking at home run rates this year compared to 2019 and then just applying that rate to 60 76 t 76 oh god judge why couldn't you have done it in 2019 that's how messy that variable the ball is, though. is the like ball all is of it is just yeah. the ball. We're only talking about that. That's yeah. wild to me. Yeah, it's absolutely wild. So um, I'm 100% on team anything is possible as far as records go. And I'm all in on the I want Aaron Judge to win the Triple Crown. I want his season to be defined by winning the Triple Crown as opposed to whatever the final total of home runs oh, up being. I know also because the whole... It's okay. I understand. There's asterisks on all the other sixty homer seasons, and you know we don't we don't actually care about the NL or AL record. No, all this is is a proxy for saying you know getting excited about the AL record is a proxy for saying oh uh, one without an asterisk maybe. <laughs> right, said by the people who brought you the conditions that made the asterisk possible. <laughs> yeah, to, right. you know, yeah. yeah. What about the league? Hype. Yeah. What about the league's involvement in this? Right. <laughs> yeah. That's the that's the stupid part of all of it. But yeah, a triple crown is is super super rare. Is amazing, and it's just a, it's quite an accomplishment. I mean, especially with 
league strikeouts where they are. I would say it might even be more. It might be more impressive even than Miguel Cabrera's. Because even in the years between now and then, which doesn't seem that long ago, strikeout rate has gone up like five points. Right. Pitching today versus pitching in 2012. What's more difficult to hit? Yeah. I'm not trying to take anything uh, away from Miguel Cabrera at all. No, no, we're not. We're not doing that. I'm just saying the triple crown might be the more uh, impressive feat that judges is pulling. Just incredibly difficult to pull off for a lot of reasons. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash. Or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant. Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Guys tend to think looking sharp means starchy Oxfords and stiff chinos rather than effortless comfort, but it's possible to have it both ways. I'm all set for summer thanks to Mack Weldon. The Vesper polo shirt is so breathable you can wear it on the golf course, but it looks classy enough to wear to a party. The Maverick Tech Chino short is ultra-flexible, and the Pima Crew Neck T-shirt is perfect for those casual weekends. There's no need to be uncomfortable in your clothing ever again. Some guys just want to look good without calling attention to themselves. Mack Weldon Apparel gives you understated good looks for understated confidence. Mack Weldon clothes are designed to fit your style and the demands of modern life. They look like regular clothes but feel like the latest in modern comfort. They're the go-to choice for guys who want to look great without even trying. Breathable underwear that keeps you cool, dry, and comfy all day. Crazy comfortable but elevated sweatpants. An upgraded classic polo with antimicrobial silver threads. An ultra soft antimicrobial tee for when you need to stay fresh longer. That's the Silver Crew Neck T-shirt. Get timeless looks with modern comfort from Mack Weldon. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off your first order with promo code MLBSHOW. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Promo code MLB show. Now, there are several things that I underestimated about Albert Pujols. One, that he had this type of season still in the tank. Two, that a team would actually be willing to give him enough playing time to see how it would play out. And I, Ben Lindbergh had a, a good piece about this at the Ringer. On July 4th, Albert Pujols looked pretty done, right? At the end of July 4th, this is from the, the story that Ben had that went up, I believe, on Wednesday. Cardinals were three games behind the Brewers in the NL Central, one game up on the Phillies in the race for the final wildcard spot. Pujols had hit 189, 282, 320 with four homers in 142 plate appearances. That's a 76 WRC plus. That's basically the WRC plus within the range of what he'd been doing in Anaheim that got him you know, DFA'd in the first place last year. And at that time, I thought, okay, this is it. This is, this is the sad ending to an amazing career. And I thought at the time, like, this is, this is a horrible way 
for a legend to go out, yeah. and it happens all the but time. There's in our so sport. many that yeah, it happens all the time, it's and it's just, awful. This is this is the rarity of like somebody being going out closer to being on top. Yeah, like this this is where he steps into the box. Like and David Ortiz's final season, you know, you feel that sort of magic again. The same as when Pools broke into the league. I mean, every time he stepped in the box, you just you expected a laser somewhere. <laughs> and poorly hit balls were still well hit. It pulled like, I'm almost surprised he didn't get a triple crown. You know what I mean? He was the triple crown guy. Yep. He the guy was who could built hit for, for it. 330 and, you know, 50 homers. A hundred percent. So I totally underestimated him. That's on me. I am glad he got to 700. It's been remarkable to see. And I think the other thing I underestimated was just how beloved he is within the game. You could see it when he got to 700. If you didn't realize it when he went to the Dodgers last year, or if you haven't listened to the stories from people who've covered him and the reactions to all those players who've been teammates with him recently, because he's a guy that was larger than life when many players who are playing now were children. He's a guy they watched yeah. on TV and got excited about baseball And an for. extra coach, like an extra coach in, in uniform. You so know? <laughs> it's got to be surreal to play with a guy like that. And those are all things that I underestimated. And maybe without universal DH, this never happens. Because that roster spot was so precious that the reunion just doesn't happen. Or the patience yeah. through the full season isn't there without universal DH. Yeah, and I think there's... You know, there's a temptation to be like to universalize this, especially with him and 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 Adam Wainwright both doing so well, and be like, "Ooh, the next market beneficiary is the old is old guys, right?" Um, and and you know, Pujols is the only guy other than Bonds uh, to have uh, 300 plate appearances of better than a 135 WRC plus. So it'd be better 35 percent better than the league uh, over 300 plate appearances of 42. Uh, so th- th- those you know, that's a class of their own. Um, and, uh, then there's only, uh, 10 guys who've done it over 40, um, but they're not recent guys. You know, you're talking about Harold Baines, uh, Moises Alou. The most recent is probably David Ortiz, but Edgar Martinez, David Winfield, Ricky Henderson. Um, and really when you look at it, it was the late nineties and the early two thousands when you had the most old guys. Yep. And, uh, we know what people, uh, call that era right well and we we also have some other things that have changed about how players are analyzed and viewed within front offices that have taken place in the time since that era oh my God, came to I'm a sorry. close oh i'm sorry o'neill cruz did he homer no but barely not but it was just like one of those 115 mile an hour okay yeah <laughs> if only he could strike out eight percent of the time like Pujols. <laughs> yeah, he's got a little ways to go to uh, to get to that. But no, but yeah, the older guys, like uh, you know, I think you know, it's it's tempting to 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 to, to look at that. And there's older pitchers. There's tons of older pitchers. Do you know that? There's like you know, uh, fifty four pitchers since 1974. Fifty four pitchers with uh, 2.5 WAR better, like like Wainwright right now over 40. Um, so, you know, and you know who they are, Necro, Tommy John, Charlie Huff, Nolan Ryan, Randy Johnson, Clemens, uh, you know, Nolan Ryan did it a bunch of times, <laughs> Roger Clemens, uh, David Wells, Gaylord Perry, uh, could Adam Wainwright come back? I'm not going to tell him he can't or not say that he can't. I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. part of what's making some of these, these things that are happening so amazing is that it, it stops you from assuming that you know 
a player's done or that a player mm. can't make an adjustment. And I think I'm guilty of doing this to players that are closer to 30. We're talking about guys who are at and around 40 still playing at high levels because I saw this. I was looking at the the MLB subreddit. Jose Altuve is having the best season of his career by WRC plus only by a slight margin, but he's 32. He's a 32 year old second baseman. And it's all power now when he used to be kind of like a 1540 guy. An undersized 32 year old second baseman. (laughs) That's not normal. With bad knees. Yeah. I mean, Nolan Arenado having the best season of his career right now, offensively at age 31. That's not really supposed to happen. I think there is actually there is a little bit of market inefficiency with older guys, and 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 Farhan's talked about that a little bit out here in San Francisco, um, where they have an old team, and you know I think he's signed older guys and and thought of them as inefficiencies. And when I asked him about it, he said um, that in today's game, with the types of things that we can do for conditioning, load management, and also just the the, the amount of science that's put into keeping people healthy and 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 all season uh, all year round maintenance of the body, uh, that maybe old aging curves don't apply the same way, you know, and maybe they don't apply equally to everybody. Maybe there's ways to kind of pick apart who will age better based on some of their physical characteristics um, or how they've played, and then. You know, I think of Farhan, there's a, here's a little random tangent. You know, I do fantasy too. And Farhan is is known for dominating his his football leagues. And we just had this whole, the slap hurled around the world uh, where uh, Tommy Fan slapped Jock Peterson. And all of, all of, when I put all these things together with how Farhan's team is so old, the IL is a place where you can muck around a little bit uh, and and find an advantage. And I've done this on teams and Maybe you think, you know, maybe you think I'm slappable for it, but I will keep guys on my IL after they're, you know, after they've been activated as long as possible, as long as the machine will let me do it, uh, just to have as many people on my team as possible. And if you think about what happens with a young player, if a young player doesn't play well, you have to DFA him and lose him off the roster. When an old player uh, doesn't play well, there's always the IL because as an old person, I know this. I'm always hurt. Something always hurts. I can I can, I can tell you. Oh yeah, this knee. Something's in there. <laughs> and and so you can. And I've talked to plenty of players. It's a bit of an underreported thing that plenty of players have told me. Oh yes, the team told me I, they would DFA me or IL me, and it was my choice. Well, there's a ton to unpack there. I mean, I, th- I think about. <laughs> I was sort of wondering about some of these after age 30 seasons we're having this year, Altuve, Arenado, Manny Machado's been great this year too. Part of the reason the Padres stayed afloat is because Machado's playing as well as he's played offensively at any point in his career. He's 30 right now. Doesn't mean doesn't mean he's supposed to be dust because he's 30. It just, we, we think of peak age for so long. 27 was the peak age that people would throw I mean, out there. I think it is. But if you're, if you're Hall of Fame peak at 27, you can still be pretty good at 30. And we're seeing players break in at young ages and have a lot of success. And then we're seeing guys hang around and have a lot of success. And I, and I realize like, you know, modeling these things, you're going to get a, a general curve that people are going to usually follow, but it's a game of outliers. And mm. it's so easy to forget that because we want everything to fit in the box. We want to be able to predict what's going to happen next. We want to be right. Oh, there's also some cover your ass. You don't want to be wrong. You don't want to be wrong. That's especially if you work in a front office, right? Right. 
Should we sign this guy? So then you, you're oh, very cautious. I don't know. Ooh, Look at the aging curve. Five, six, seven years <laughs> for a guy that's 29, 30 years old. We could we could never do that. Okay. Well, like that 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 Javi Baez deal might have cost some people their jobs. And it has to do with aging, and it has to do with how that package ages. That was probably see. I I don't think the straw that broke the camel's I back. I think it's more, more than... like that. I think it was one yeah. of a few, <laughs> five or six big things over time happened, and that was the last thing that was okay. Right. This is going to be the thing that finally leads the decision to actually be made. But that chain of events was set in motion a long time ago. Oh, yeah, right. But I do think a lot of this is is the ways that players can be managed, the ways players can train. Those things can change. I mean, part of Arenado being this good is adding bat speed, adding bat speed at this age. That's which Amazing. we didn't think we could do before. I thought we, th- I think we thought just thought bat speed went away like velo. But now you have weighted bats, just like you have weighted balls. You have actual training practices you can do to add. That's literally what Nolan Arenado did. Yeah. The other example we've talked about a billion times over the years is Jacob Degrom's velocity. That defies that? anything <laughs> and everything you think you know about what's supposed to happen. This is finally. This is the first year since 2016 where his average fastball velocity is down. Like year over year, it was up every single year going back to 2016. He's down from 99.1 to 98.9. Oh, 98.9. Totally hittable. <laughs> yeah. Have Adam League. Good luck, everyone. <laughs> no problem. Should be easy for you. I mean, it is something you think about, like when you sign Jacob Degrom to that next massive contract. You think about, you know, maybe he's throwing too close to his max, and you know he's throwing really hard, and maybe that's always he's always going to be hurt a lot. You know, am I am I signing a guy that's going to be hurt all the time? You know, or am I signing a guy who's shown that he can just keep getting better? Or does he reel off a stretch of five plus years where he goes two hundred plus again? He did three years in a row from twenty seven to twenty nineteen. It's unlikely, but it's possible. Yeah, the Jacob Degrom long-term contract, how that is set up, I am fascinated to see that, and that's that's a little bit different too because you're that's a lot of money and a lot of years. I think the thing that Farhan was also saying when I asked him about this was, it doesn't take a lot of money and a lot of years, right? You know, to get the guys I'm talking about, like I just you know Wilmer Flores for one and six, you know, <laughs> like that's that's the kind of deals, uh, like Brandon Crawford for two and thirty, you know, like that's. That's the kind of deals where he's betting on better aging and also covering his own butt by not giving them a ton of years. Right. A lot of overcorrection in the, well, we're not signing players past this age or we're not doing deals of four or five years of players like this. Okay, but what about two, three? It's a lot like our conversations about reliever usage. You're not a starter. You can't go five plus. Fine. Go one. Well, no, go two, go three. That still helps. There are numbers between one and five. There are numbers between one and five. (laughs) Use them. They might help you. It's hard to believe, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it's true because even there's a new there's a new uh, uh, starting pitcher deal that's around five, right? We got five and 108 for Castillo, Mm -hmm. five for Ray Goss. That's like the you know you're not you're not Garrett Cole, so you're not getting six or whatever, you know, but you're gonna get five. Yep. Where are the like two and three year deals? I, we some of them really don't work out. There's Descafani you know, was one of those. Yeah, I was just about to say Wood. that's your three year deal. Yeah, the Wood one might work out. The Carlos Rodon with the, the opt outs. I mean, that, that's another health one where you have that's to. That's a one. That's that's a one. Effectively, it's one if he's healthy, and it was right. two if he got hurt. 
That's what it turned into. Yeah. He probably wants a 500 plus. Is that a good idea if you're the team in position to make that decision? If, if you had to make that choice, is that something you're comfortable doing seeing you know, a full, pretty much a full season this year, 172 innings as we sit here on the 28th of September after 132 and two thirds last year. And are the Giants going to find a way to create another five-year deal for another pitcher next year? If that's just going to be their reputation, you sign with the Giants for one and 18 and they turn you into a Cy Young guy. I mean, my argument would be that Rodon already showed that ceiling last year. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean that's that's why they got signed there. And I and I I I I keep waiting out here for Farhan's big first big deal. Right. What does it look like? Who is it? And what does it look like? Yeah. I think there are a lot of pitchers that have turned in some surprisingly good years. I mean, Nola being very good, not a shocker. Kevin Gossman is aging better than I expected. Yeah, he's only thirty one, but I I worried a little bit about that that multi year deal with him going back into the AL East. He has eased those concerns in pretty much every way over the course of the first year of that deal with the Blue Jays. How about you, Darvish, having his best season since 2013? He just turned 36 in August. Rich Hill is giving Boston basically a fifth starter season. You know, I I tend to think more on on the extremes, like... Yeah, yeah. Jose Quintana at 33, that's exciting. Yeah, you Darvish at 35, that's good. But, you know, it gets really much cheaper on the sort of Cordy Kluber for one year and $8 million and still giving you three wins above replacement and, 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 and being, a, uh, you know, a, a contributor there. Um, and then Max Scherzer putting in his, his season where he's an all-star at 37. And Justin Verlander... You know, I would even sign Zach Granke next year for one and eight. I don't think it's been a terrible year. I know the strikeouts are gone, but, you know, you know he's a, a good coach on the on the roster. Yeah, it's it's just one of these aspects of analyzing the game that has really kind of been put under the microscope, given some of the things that have happened this year. Some really exciting times with players doing some things we just didn't expect and that, that's what makes this game so exciting, right? If, if everything was predictable, if everything was easy to figure out, would we even bother? Probably not. <laughs> yeah, the chaos is beautiful. It really is. So I hope everyone's enjoying it during these final days of the season, no matter what particular outcome you're rooting for. There's actually a lot of stuff to get excited about. Of course, we got the playoffs just around the corner. I'll be making picks again. I was awful last year i tried to mostly go with chalk you know with like with the betting i had a betting model i was looking at and you know i'm not gonna throw it under the bus you know i made those picks but i'm gonna come back i'm gonna do them again just to try and do a little better predicting playoff baseball is incredibly difficult it's so hard I got what to. Yeah, you got a few days to work on your process a little bit more before you have to actually I'm put thinking it all about out there. you know just Flying by the seat of my pants, dude. Yeah, well, after last year, I think anything's on the table for you. (laughs) (laughs) We are good to go. Uh, If you'd like to leave us a nice rating and review, we'd really appreciate that. If you don't have a subscription to The Athletic and you want to get Eno's predictions in written form when they become available next week, you should do that. (laughs) A dollar a month for the first six months at theathletic.com slash baseball show on Twitter. Eno's at Eno Saris. I am at Derek Van Riper. That's going to do it for this episode of the 3-0 Show. The Athletic Baseball Show returns on Friday. You've always got the green light here.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.